Welcome to this week's episode of the Good Luck Club podcast. My guest this week is Duro Oye. He is the founder of 2020 Change. It's my absolute honor to have him back on the show talking about the amazing things that he's achieving, the people that he's helping, and more importantly, why he's doing it. I think that might help you all today, inspire you, and maybe even if you've got an existing business, give you a reason to install purpose in that business if it's not already there. Duro, welcome to the Thank show. You, Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to have you. Now, for some of my audience that haven't yet heard about you and what you're doing, would you mind giving a quick intro uh, what you're about? Sure. Um, so I run a social enterprise called 2020 Change. Um, we're a youth empowerment organisation based here in London. Um, we work with young people from all, of, all over London. I say young people, they're more so young adults, so 18 to 30. Um, and we help them find purpose. We help them find you know, their reason for being their reason for being here and we do that through a series of programs mainly our flagship program called the i am change program and i like to call that program a mindset adjustment program where young people come on and their whole outlook on life is changed the way that they address situations the way that they approach life is changed but it's a introspective program in a sense that it gets them to look inwardly at the qualities that they have the skills that they have recognize them develop them and then they're then directed to how they can make a difference in this world where we connect them with our partners our corporate network Um, a number of them go into long-term sustained employment Um, a number of them start their own businesses a number of them start their own social impact projects Um, and a number of them actually realize that you know, maybe they didn't go as far as they would have liked to with education and they then go back into higher education and top up there and then move into something um, more sustainable. But for me, um, like I said to you earlier, it's something that I wish I had when I was younger um, and when I got to a position that I felt like I could set up or establish something like this, it was the first thing that I was willing to do um, not that I had all the money or all the success under my belt, but it was something that I felt like if I started it early, it would grow and it would reach even more young people, um, not just in London, not just in the UK, but globally. I think it's um, the mindset adjustment piece is fascinating because I, I think mindset is often the biggest problem stopping this people achieve. This is it. I certainly see it when people want to start their own businesses and they're fearful. It's the mindset that stops them, right? So... Um, you, you mentioned there, you know, your own kind of journey, which I'm always interested in sharing with the audience. You mentioned there was a moment when you realised that you could help. Yeah. For people listening out there that want to help, most of and most people I know, but I can't afford to mm. work for free on on what is equivalent to a charity, and I can't. I need to pay the bills. I I want to buy a bigger house, or you know, all these pressures that are around people. How did you make that distinction from, you know, okay, because you you did used to work. Yeah. someone right and then then finally be able to like quit that and, and do what you're doing what was your mindset for me um i started quite early so i had an entrepreneurial mindset still do um i've always been passionate about living a comfortable life um initially when i was younger it was more the drive was money financial freedom um wasn't really comfortable where i was living wasn't comfortable where my family was i felt like it it was my responsibility to do better for my children and just kind of break that um that barrier of maybe what would you call it of stagnation when it comes to financial freedom 
Um, so that was my drive. And I, I got involved in a lot of naughty things in order to, to get that. Um, and yeah, quite early on, I would say that I was financially free. So by the time I was 18, 19, I was pretty much at a stage in my life where I could afford anything that I wanted. I could do anything that I wanted. But I realised that I still had a cap. There were things that I would like to do or areas I would like to go into that I couldn't go into because of how I acquired my financial freedom, quote unquote. Um, So I realised that quite early on, I had the ability to make money. Um, I always used to say that making money for me was the easiest thing. Like you just come up with an idea, you do something, but actually keeping it and, and growing it keeper money was a lot harder for me because it came in so quickly I I spent it so quickly Um, but I never really applied myself to anything tangible I never really thought to myself let me build something that would last let me do something that would help others Um, because I felt like even though it was not what the regular person would equate to privilege I would say that I was privileged um, in the information that I was exposed to hence why I was able to do so well at all the things that I was able to But I realised that I wasn't like everybody else. There was something unique about me. Not everybody thought like I did. Not everybody thought about solutions to a problem and how to tackle that. A lot of people were just going down a particular way, um, getting a job, being free, being being okay, getting by. That was never my kind of life. So I wasn't going to give up the life that I was living before and then just go into a nine-to-five. So I started a business early on. Um, I borrowed some money to start that business. That business did well. It was a dry cleaning business back in 2006. Pick-up and delivery dry cleaning service, essentially, um, and to negotiate with the dry cleaner um, and asked him what discount would he give us if we bought X amount of clothing in on a weekly basis. We negotiated 60-40, I topped up his prices and we just picked up from cash-rich time before individuals. So that, that, that mindset was always there. I didn't necessarily want to work. I didn't actually get my first official job until 2017, 2017. And I did that for a stint only because I wanted to get married. I needed a stable income. I needed to build a household Um, So I did that But moving from that stable income Into working for 2020 Change full time It was a long journey So I originally set out 2020 Change in 2013 Off of the back of a documentary film that I made Um, So my trade I'm a filmmaker by trade So I studied filmmaking once I finished university And I thought that that was going to be me I was just make films That told a story of where I've come from and the young people that live in that kind of environment, getting their stories out there. That was my passion. That was my dream. Um, And I've met some really, really interesting individuals on that journey. I I just felt like, once again, it highlighted the privilege that I had because a lot of them came from broken homes where I thought, you know, we lived on a council estate, but there was still love. There was still people that genuinely cared for you, where a lot of these other young people, I was coming across them, it's like, they come from really, really difficult backgrounds and, you know, their, their, their parents were on drugs and all these kind of things. And I thought, again, I thought my life was bad. Actually, my life is not as bad as I thought it was. And I actually have something that I can give these individuals that I never, I thought it was just normal. I thought everybody had it. I thought everybody would just think and be able to just create something out of nothing. But the more I engage with these individuals that were really embedded in a particular lifestyle, the more I started to realise they felt like their only way out was either selling drugs, doing music, 
um, doing fraud, robbing gang members or gang leaders. That was their only kind of outlook in terms of where they thought that this is the only way that they can come out of living in this particular type of situation. I was like, there's so much more you can do with that same skill set. Did you know that you could do this? Did you know you could apply it to this? Did you know that somebody will pay you for this? And they had the mindset of anybody that worked a nine to five would only earn a thousand two hundred pound a month. And that was something that I heard over and over again. They said, I'm not going to leave what I'm doing to go and work for £1,200 a month, I can make that in a day, I can make that in a week. And I was like, do you know that there are people that make that in an hour? That what you're talking about. I was like, I can show you individuals that genuinely make that in an hour. You can set up a business, it might take you a while to get to that stage, but if you think about all your time, effort, energy that you're putting into all of this wrong stuff, if you just applied a fraction of that into something constructive, did you know that you could get here? And all it took was for them to actually take a little bit of what I was saying and apply it once they started getting results they're like actually Juro is not lying like if I if I continue at this I can, I can see a future for myself here and the more I had maybe a group of six at first they applied some of what I was saying they saw the results they told their friends and it just started growing and growing and growing for me setting up 2020 change was never a thing about money still isn't I remember early on when I met some of my um the trustees, non-exec directors now, they're like, you know, you're never going to make any money from this, Drew. I was like, yeah, that's fine. You know, I could make films to make money. But this hair is my heart. This is my passion. This is what I want to be known for. The fact that I can change the trajectory of a young person's life. That's my life goal, you know. Um, and I just kept at it. I kept at it. Um, and I think there's a question coming up later on where he says, well, what was my big break? But my big break for 2020 didn't really come until 2018, so it was completely self-funded until 2018. So that's five years of me doing anything that I could do to bring money in to sustain myself. Um, I lived in some very rough places, um, stayed on my sister's couch for a number of years, moved, graduated from the crouch to the floor, um, just so all the money that I was making could be put back into the organisation and the young people that we support. Um, so we never really made any money we never got any financial input into the organisation until 2018. Um, and even then, I didn't leave my full-time job to jump into it straight away. I wanted that financial income to be sustainable. And that didn't happen until uh, November 2019. And it was at that moment that I was comfortable enough to actually draw a full-time salary from 2020 change and then leave my full-time job and say... This is what I'm going to do full time. And good thing that I did when I did, because then COVID happened, you know, um, second quarter of 2020. And yeah, it's been our most lucrative, our most successful year. Yeah. It's interesting because the journey you just described there to me is also a mindset journey. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there's a direct correlation between your decision to go full time and it being a more successful product. Because I think you know what what you explained about some of your students is, and some of the people you help is that in the early phase they often feel like their energy is best spent, for example, criminal activity because it's more mm -hmm. lucrative, mm -hmm. and putting energy into something that's not as lucrative. Let's call it a nine to five job mm -hmm. for the worst case scenario. That's a mindset thing, isn't it? You just you have almost like a limiting belief system. This is it, right? So, but it's interesting your own journey because it, it feels like it took you 
five years to get to a point where perhaps you are like, okay, I'm going to give my full attention to this. Maybe you did what a lot of people do, which is you look at the financial aspect of it and say, it can't sustain me. It can't sustain me. Mm. So therefore, I have to keep working something else until it can sustain me. But that working something else must take away the energy of ensuring that it works. Yeah, people say that. But for me, like when I believe in something, I give it my all. You know, so the nine to five, I was very strategic about the kind of nine to five that I got. Um, I, I went for one that didn't require all of my brain power, all of my energy, so to speak. Um, and I also went for one where I could learn things that I would be able to apply to growing 2020 change. So I was very strategic about where I went. I went into the charity sector. I wanted to understand how the sector actually worked. And I worked for one of the top 25 charities in the UK in a similar space, not the same space. So they were an employment charity and they helped get people back into work. Um, Loads of people, so people that face barriers to get into work. So I wanted to understand how they did that at scale. Um, And... So I actually got promoted once while I was there. They wanted me to get promoted again. And I was just like, no, I think I'm okay as I am because I needed to be able to switch off at, you know, five o'clock, 4.45 or whatever, and then focus on 2020. So a lot of our 2020 activities happened in the evenings. Um, so Tuesday and Thursday evenings. But there were lots of emails and calls and follow-up and all of that. So it's kind of like I was burning the candle at both ends. So wherever I wanted to, whether I liked it or not, there was no way that that could have been sustainable. So I needed to put 100% into 2020 to ensure that I could get it to a stage where it was paying me enough for me to sustain myself and my household and also still try and give as much as I could to my nine to five so, you know, they just don't get rid of me. Um, so that balancing act was quite hard. Um, I wasn't resting, you know, my, my, my physical health wasn't really the best, um, late nights, early mornings, all of that. But I always had the mindset that this is just for a period. I need to live like this for now to get myself to that next stage. Once I'm at that next stage, it'll become comfortable for a bit and then I'll go hard again to elevate myself up to the next level. So that was always and still is my current mindset. So even... We were getting lots of success while I was doing that, you know, balancing both, juggling. And I just kept thinking to myself, if we could do this with me not necessarily giving it my all, i.e. working a full-on nine-to-five in it, and we're still seeing these kind of results, what's going to happen when I do make that leap, you know? So I just kept thinking about the impact and the impact that it would have on the young people. So back to my original journey, the the shape for the organisation was to help those that were involved in what I like to call street enterprise, helping them transition from that into something more productive, more sustainable. But as we grew as an organisation, we recognised that what we had is something that could actually help young people at scale, something that could help young people from all walks of life. You know, it's, it's the identity crisis now that we're now dealing with. It's that mindset adjustment. So you don't necessarily have to come from a deprived background to have certain issues into moving into certain spaces. You have people that are right at the bottom of the spectrum, so not in education, training or employment. The government calls them NEETs. And then you have those that are right at the top, that have gone to university, gone to Oxford, Cambridge, come out with good grades, but still suffer from imposter syndrome. So they get the job and it's like, I don't know if I deserve this, you know, I don't see anybody that looks like me around here. There's no one that can really take me under their wing. So 
they don't flourish in those kind of environments. They don't flourish in those kind of systems. Um, so how can we help them? Same thing, it's that mindset shift. Helping them understand that you are here because of merit. You are here because of the work that you did to get here. So you actually deserve this. You being able to accept that, actually, I, I got this job not because of the colour of my skin, not because of, you know, I, I stumbled upon it or luck. You know, you worked yourself to get here and, and you deserve it, so enjoy it. So it's helping them understand that. And then a number of them also come to me and say, they have barriers when it comes to seeking opportunities because of where they're from or because of the colour of their skin. They could have done everything the right way. And that's when I started to re recognise there are actually more of those young people than there are those that were involved in street enterprise. There are more young people that listen to their parents, listen to their teachers, listen to society, went to school, got the good grades, did everything <laughs> by the book, and it's now like, okay, um, I'm still facing barriers here, like jobs or, or, or companies are not knocking at my door wanting to employ me. I still have to fight twice as hard to be recognised for an opportunity or to be noticed for an opportunity that I, I have got the qualifications for. So knockback after knockback they're getting and they're saying that, well, maybe I should just settle for a life then that's less than the one that I'm capable of living. So we have to then build them up. And like I always tell people in our sessions, I just hold up a mirror and I'm showing you a reflection of you that I see. But it's not enough that I see that reflection. You need to see that reflection. It's not enough that you see that reflection. You need to believe that reflection. You need to carry yourself like the person in that reflection. So I think I've spoken before about our, our exercise called the videotape, where we get people to introduce themselves as they would five years from now. So it's like you're looking to the future at the person that you want to become. And then you're tracing back the steps. What steps would it take for me to get there? What, what's the mindset of that individual five years from now that I am? And what can I do right now to ensure that I become that person? So the onus is on the young person. I'm just there as a facilitator holding up that mirror and asking them, what, what do you see? Do you believe in what you see? Can you really make that happen? And what do you need to do to make that happen? How can we help you do that? And that's it. There's just so many things that you've talked about there that I, I want to make sure people listening don't miss. And... Um, you know, the whole looking at yourself as others see you, yeah. maybe, and, and believing that that is a positive thing, that people aren't looking at you and saying what you're maybe saying in your own head. Imposter syndrome is a big problem, I know what you mean. Huge problem. And I think that's really good advice for people to maybe also, right now, if they're listening, you know, press pause on this podcast, go and look in the mirror and tell yourself where you're going to be in five years' time and be positive and, and believe, right? I think that's a really good um, mindset adjustment this is it. Uh, technique. <laughs> the other thing that you mentioned, I want to unpack a little bit, mm. which is it's, it's sensitive. So, um, uh, but I, I want to try and understand it. I, one of the reasons I do this podcast show is because I have a belief system myself, and I love debating or discussing yeah. with people that maybe have a different experience. So, yeah, for example, yeah. I, I don't believe education's university education is good for most people. Mm -hmm. I think unless you're going to be a doctor or a certain profession, I actually think it can drain you of all your risk, mm -hmm. appetite, and, and chance and opportunity and put you in debt even. So I, that's my belief. And, and so I love debating with people that like university. But you, you talk there about um, the process that you went through, which I think is very normal for anyone listening. I, I like the whole idea that you're talking about and I want them to pick up on it, which is, you, you, you have a passion project that you know you need to make sustainable. So you do whatever you have to do to get it to a sustainable point yeah. so that you can give it 
all your, your love and attention, mm-hmm. right? Which, which makes total sense when you explain it to me. My advice to people, however, is slightly different. My okay. advice is that, you know, it, you can draw it out for five years if you want, or you can go for it from mm-hmm. day one. Mm-hmm. And almost like, you know, give it that that nine to five job that you were doing. Although, I, again, I think your insight is useful for people to say that that's a way to go, you know, mm-hmm. like something, and it's another great bit of uh, insight. Go work in something that, that maybe is relevant. Therefore, if you're passionate about solving a particular problem as you are doing now and as you have always been helping these young people fulfill their potential, then go work in an organization that's doing something similar. I mean, there is an argument. You could even stay in those organizations. Yeah. You know, you don't have to do it on your own. No. People could join you, for example, and, and have an impact. They don't have to go and do twenty twenty one change, right? <laughs> they they can they can work with you. And so a lot of people don't. You know, it's not, you're not on your own necessarily. Um, and, and you go join another organization. But I, I, I do advise people sometimes that that can also delay them. Some people, Very especially true. young people, will say to me, "Oh, I'm going to go get a job and get some experience first. I'll be like, "Starting your own business is all it's the experience you're going to need." Yeah. And you're going to have the ability to pick what you want to learn, and you're going to need to learn mm-hmm. everything. <laughs> and then you're going to need to learn to hire people. You're going to, you know, you might before you're if you're if you're like me at 15 years old, no one's going to give me a management job, right? Mm-hmm. By 17, I was managing 19 people. You know, there was no way at 17 years old someone's going to hire me to manage 19 people. At mm-hmm. 15, I probably wasn't capable. But within two years, I had to learn to manage mm-hmm. people, right? So I don't know, you know, if you were giving advice. I mean, of course, it's you know, generally it's yeah. always a general thing, but. What 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 do you think you did it the right way or do you wish you did it earlier or I do you think, think I think I did it the right way for me you know and I think every individual's journey is just that it's, it's individual it's unique to that individual um, when I was starting what we're doing now the model that we have didn't exist so a lot of people told me that what we were doing was too risky that nobody would fund it. Um, that it wouldn't stand the test of time. So I said, okay, cool. I'm going to do it on my own. You know, so that's why it took me five years. Um, I always built our model on the fact that I knew that a corporate sponsor would come along, recognize the good that we're doing and want to attach their name to it. That was my, that was, that was the game plan. How that corporate sponsor was going to come along, I didn't know because it's not like we went around knocking on corporate doors saying, oh, hey, look at what we're doing. You know, come and give us money, come and make us sustainable. That was never the case. I just believe that the more good that we did, the more young people raved about the change that happened when they came on our programs, the more the word would get out there and the more people would see it. So, if I was giving our young people advice now, I wouldn't tell them to do what I did because there are so many other ways that you can go about it now. Even with regards to university, I personally don't believe in this day and age that university is the best way to go for a lot of young people because there are so many other options out there. There are apprenticeships, there are um, uh, degree apprenticeships, there are jobs that you can get. You know, Like you rightly said, certain professions require you to have a university degree that's understandable but majority of the things that people are getting involved in now you don't need a university degree and if you look at and we've done the study if you look at the trajectory of a young person that left school 16 got an apprenticeship worked their way up and a young person that left school 16 went to sixth form or college for two years then went to university for five years rightly said they've got debt under their belt and they have no experience 
So what tends to happen is their classmate that they left at school at 16 is now in a junior or senior management position and they are the ones interviewing their mates to get onto a job, paying them half of what their mate is actually earning um, because they're in a senior position. So it's like, what's the point? Like You've got all of that time, you've got all of that head knowledge, but no practical experience, no, no life skills. And even a lot of employers will tell you, Young people now that graduate, there's a sense of entitlement that they have. Because I have this degree, therefore I should have this job. I don't have I don't I have qualifications, but I don't necessarily have on the ground experience. So I still need to be trained. I still need to be told how to get in early or arrive on time or draft an email. Basic things that if you got into work early, you could have picked up. But because you spent all your time at university studying you don't have that. So the, the young people that don't have that don't didn't go to university are already miles ahead. So there are young people that don't go to university and they tell you, oh, well, you know, look at all the great billionaires that dropped out of uni. There's a different mindset there. You can't just say you're not going to go to uni. You don't have a plan. That's what I always push the young people on. So if you're not going to do this, if you're not going to follow the set plan that is created for you by society, what, what are you going to do? We talk about, um, we have a quote at 2020 who say if a, if a young person doesn't have a plan, their community will create one for them. If that young person grows up in a great community, then that plan will probably mirror that community. But if they grow up in a terrible community, then that plan won't be that great. So it's just like you, you fall into what society has kind of shaped up for you when you can actually carve out your own future. The power is in your hands. A lot of our young people come from black and ethnic minority backgrounds. Now, coming from that background, we're heavy on education because that's the way that our parents were trained. That's the way that our parents were told that if you have education, the world's yours, so you can do anything. But the world is changing and our parents haven't realised that. So they're still telling or forcing their kids to go into education, be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, whatever. But now, being older, you have friends that are in those professions they're not fulfilled so they're looking at me thinking wow Joe you've got so much freedom you could do what you want you're helping people you know this 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 is meaningful work whereas I'm just living paycheck to paycheck surviving quote unquote but I thought that I'd be happy here but I made that decision early on so while they were getting their first jobs and having you know big checks and getting the car and getting the house I was making sacrifices but because I knew that the, the life that I wanted to live. So I try and tell young people, they have to make the decision themselves, but you have to be able to back it up with facts because when you're going back home to your parents to say this is what you want to do, in order for that to make sense to them, you have to back it up with a plan. So for me, because I'm strong-willed and hard-headed, I had a plan, but that plan didn't make sense to anyone. So like, how would this make money? You know, who, who's going to fund you? Like, you're just one young person from nowhere talking all of this, but there's no evidence to back it up. Now I've got evidence. My evidence was me because I made that transition on my own. It wasn't physical. You couldn't see it, but I knew that there was a change that happened on the inside of me. The way that I thought, the way that I processed information, the way that I looked and addressed people was completely different to my peers so I knew that I stood out from then to articulate that to 
my parents my parents are 85 80 odd now so me trying to sell what i'm trying to do so until this day they fully don't understand what it is that i do my siblings do because obviously i get press and people read about what i'm doing and they come back to me oh that's your brother he's doing amazing things now it's accepted now that i don't have to you know ask them for petrol money and i'm, I'm okay you know i'm supporting them in certain areas as well it's like okay yeah he's actually doing good but it took time and my thing is it took me five years and because i'm doing what i'm doing now it doesn't have to take the next generation five years what i was able to do in five because of the knowledge and the information i'm now passing across to them they can do it in one they can do it in two might even be able to do it in three six months depending on how hard they're willing to go at it so back to what you were saying about people should go at it straight away if it's a business, a service or a product that you're delivering, I say yes. Whereas with what we're doing, you do need some level of experience behind you because things are constantly changing. You know, the, 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 the landscape is constantly changing. You have to understand your unique business model. How is this going to become sustainable? If you go to a lot of charities, they depend on grant funding, they depend on fundraising and all of these things. COVID has proved that that's not a sustainable model. A lot of charities that have been around for hundreds of years are now going bust because they couldn't raise funds for from the Nash, uh, the, the London Marathon. Things that they, they, they bank their calendar on, we, we didn't have that problem. So for us, we were able to fast forward, move past a lot of these organisations that are doing similar things. But because our funding didn't necessarily come from the government didn't necessarily come from grants or trusts or foundations we were able to do things differently and we just got that kind of hybrid model where we've got corporate funding we've got some grants and and some trust funding but then we've also got a, a delivery model so a service offering where people pay us for our services so it's kind of like we're bringing things in from different areas growing and expanding our work increasing our impact and more and more young people that we're churning through our program are coming back, giving back through our program, helping out for our program, and it's just growing like that. Very Again, honest. there's just so many insights that you're 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 putting on the table there. I want to make sure people see. I, th- I think they that the, if if there's people out there listening that want to get into building, let's call it. And I don't even like the terminology, but it's you know, not for profit, mm-hmm. which. It's interesting because a lot of things you're talking about there, you know, even your family members, mm. once they see you're making money, somehow, oh, he's doing good. He's not asking me for petrol money anymore, <laughs> you know. So, so he, he, he's doing good. And somehow that's, that's a measure of success, right? But if you're helping hundreds of people but not making any money, that you have to make sure you get a lot of PR for the hundreds of people you're helping otherwise people won't believe you're doing any good no. especially if you're still asking them for petrol money right exactly. so, so that, that's a really interesting dynamic and I, and I think the other thing that you're, you're mentioning now I want to make sure people don't miss if they're interested in, in perhaps starting their own um, I, I call these models the zero model <laughs> I think they need rebranding and mm. they're not not for profit they're not charities they're the zero model which in, in, in every business I've ever started the, the milestone I used to always love was when I got to zero you know, not not making profit. I was just so happy if I could actually sustain it. In other words, all my bills were paid, mm-hmm. all the salaries were paid, and I was doing something I loved every day. If I ever got to that, that zero sum, that was my, you know, my cheering moment. Not mm-hmm. when I sold my company or, or made lots of money. I was just happy when I got to zero because mm-hmm. I'm loving what I'm doing every day. It's having an impact and I'm covering all the bills, mm-hmm. you know. So I kind of see what you're talking about in a way as a similar zero model. It's like if you can actually have an impact at scale, 
and cover all the basic costs, then success, right? But so many people still measure success by the car they drive or the house they live in. And these things, is there a way to break that? Yeah, I think we, we try and break that early on um, with our young people. Um, and I think we, we do that quite successfully. We change the definition of success. Our definition of success is impacting the people around you with the investment of your personality. Now, I'll break that down. I got that from one of my mentors. And it was like, when he told me that, I thought, that's interesting. Because in order for me to impact or influence the people around me, I have to invest in myself. You know, so there has to be something that I'm giving them for them to be impacted or influenced by me. When you're impacting and influencing people, it's like anything that you share with them, they'll take on board. So you've got the whole influencer culture right now, you know, influencer marketing, whatever you want to call it. Because people are inspired or impacted by you, whatever you pitch to them, they'll take up. Whereas for us, it's not about selling a product or a service. It's about instilling the right mindset, that the right ideology in the young people from early. So when they have this, when they grasp this idea of success, it's more than money. It's more than the materialistic stuff. It's you as a being. Your, 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 your core essence is giving back. Now, they gain so much from our programs that we tell them that the program is free to the young person. You don't have to pay anything to get onto it. All we're asking is that you play it forward. So what we've given you here, share it with another young person. So give them that leg up. Maybe a young person comes into you for an interview. They might not. They might look rough around the edges. But understand their journey and give them that chance. Give them that one break. So my mentor that I was talking about gave me several breaks. You know, I made so many mistakes trying to navigate this thing called life. But time and time again, she told me, it's all right. We can start again. So it's about pouring out from what you already have into that next generation. But you can't pour from something that's empty. So there has to be something in there first. So I say in your early years, you're learning, you're, you're growing, you're, you're, you're developing yourself so you can then pour back. So in your teens, while you don't have so many overheads, so many concerns, learn as much as you can. You know, get mentored, understand things, you know, from your own unique perspective. Don't allow people to influence you so much that you lose your own ideology or lose your own ideas. So now that you've got something inside, you can then start to shape things how you want to see it. I'm all about the future, creating the future that you want to live in. What are the problems that you face today that you would like to do something about to eradicate in the future to ensure that people don't have to deal with it no more? So say to yourself, I want to be the last person to have to deal with this situation. How will that happen? And then keep beating at it, beating at it until you come up with a solution. Once you have that solution, sell it en masse you know provide everywhere so we started in London like I said this what we're doing can go national can go global because the problem that we're solving every young person faces it across the globe regardless of the colour of their skin where they're from doesn't matter right so I am constantly influencing those around me with the investment of my personality so every time I speak to a young person I'm pouring out a little bit of me into that young person so that young person can then pour it out as well so, in essence, all the issues that I faced as a young person in the next 10, 20 years, young people shouldn't have to face it anymore in order for me to call myself successful. And, yeah, the house will come. 
the cars will come. All of those things, if I want them, they will come because it's just as a byproduct of what it is that I'm doing. So that's not the goal. It's just as I'm growing, as I'm evolving, as my impact is growing, yes, my bank balance is growing, I can afford nicer things, but that's no longer my end goal. This is just a way to make my life a bit more comfortable. And that's just been how I've been progressing over the years. So, And I, I, I use my life as a mirror. So I'm very, very transparent with the young people about where I am, where I'm trying to build. When I was doing all the things that I was doing, the cars, the house, the jewels, they were the big things. Now I'm thinking about the kind of environment that I want to live. I'm thinking about where I want to raise my kids, the kind of schools that they want to go to. They're the things that I'm looking at as the next kind of milestones now. I'm okay, I'm comfortable. There's nothing that I want that I can't necessarily buy. There's nowhere that I want to go that I can't go to. But now it's no, it's no longer about me. It's no longer about how I look or how I dress or what I drive. It's about creating that future that I want to live in. And I'm currently investing in that now. I think it's uh, inspiring. And I'm so grateful you're doing what you're doing. Thank and one you. of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is because I, I believe I'm trying to do something similar. And I think this whole mindset of, you know, you have to invest in yourself to then be able to go and, and, and give back is so true. Mm-hmm. The sooner you invest in yourself, the sooner you can, you can go and give, give back. I, give I, back. I, I, I did this post recently on TikTok that went viral and I basically said, don't buy property when you're young. Yeah, I saw that. And, you know, a lot of people just disagree completely. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're all basically shifting to this concept of property will make you money. Instead of realizing that, like you said just a moment ago, which really resonates with me, which is, you know, when you, when you have, when you're light, when you're young, you know, when you, when you don't have these bills and these responsibilities, mm. that's the time to invest in you. So many young people have a pressure to get on the property ladder and get a 25, 30 year debt and start, you know, paying that down because when you're 60 you'll have something mm. instead of living right now right having experience right now investing in yourself mm-hmm. not a physical building that and, and and so it kind of shocks me how many people don't see it yeah you know in fact yeah. i can argue some people are pretty rude to me on that on, yeah, the, on the messaging course. like they're, yeah, totally they're like why that. are you telling young people this they're going to be you know broke at 60 living on the streets i'm like why does investing in yourself young instead of a mortgage um, equate to later and them being on the street? It is, this capitalistic stuff has got completely out of control. Absolutely. And, and I feel like your message of, I'm going to call it hope. Yes. That, you know, just because you're seeing that someone else on Instagram has this fancy car or fancy house, that does not equal happiness. No. And why, how many people have to tell, you know, who've got lots of money who are unhappy or people that, that don't have money but are happy? How, you know, why are there, there needs to be more examples of this. I don't think the example is enough because, you know, we still see it in some of our young people. You have people with the cars and the homes telling you that that doesn't equate to happiness. But if you're saying that to a young person that's never experienced it, never had it, it's waffle. It's like, all right, cool. It's easy for you to say let me experience it first. Mm. You know what I mean? Let, let me, let me, what's that thing? They said um, something about crying in a Lamborghini. Or right. Something. Yeah, that's right. That, that was one of the I comments. Cry. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I'd rather cry in a Lamborghini than be broke on a bike. Or exactly. Like exactly. And that, it, that resonates with a lot of them. It's like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather do that. But until you have it, you really don't know what it is. So some people, some young people get it. Some 
you know, take it on and they're like, actually, yeah, that that's there's just some truth in that. Some will still be like, well, I still I still want to do it. So you, you, you some people have to experience it for themselves. And when you realize that you're not going to get there, it's it's a it's a rude awakening. So we try, we can't help every young person. That's why, we, you know, I say it time and time again, it's a mindset adjustment program. So we're very selective about those that we actually take on that journey with us. It's not everybody that applies for our program that gets onto it. You have to be ready to, to, to start that journey. You have to be at a point, a critical point in your life where you're thinking, what direction do I want to go here? You know, I can go here where I know that this this will be the end outcome. I could go here where I actually don't know what what the end outcome will be. Are you willing to take that risk? Are you willing to, you know, follow us on this journey? But because we've had so many people that are like them, with the same mindset, grew up in the same area, followed us on this journey, and have turned their lives around, even just in conversations with them, you can tell that there's been a shift in this young person's life. I don't, I don't know what it is, and when you speak to them, they'll tell you. It happened when I, I did the 2020 change program and, and that's the hook The young person's like well if he can He's not there yet He doesn't have the house He doesn't have the cars But he's got something Or she's got something I want what she has And if you're telling me that You got that from that program I'm going to take that program So some people apply two, three, four times Before they actually get onto the program But once they get on It's completely life changing when you describe this, it um, it makes me kind of think about that money in a way has become like the new addiction. It's like alcohol or drugs. Money is kind of, and that what leads to getting the money can 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 actually infect you in a very negative way. Absolutely, and it's it's fascinating. That, and I like the concept that is people have to have the right almost the beginnings of the right mindset to get on a program to help them with mindset because if you tell someone who loves to drink alcohol it's bad for you but they're having a good time with their friends every weekend and they don't see it you can't help people like that it's almost impossible right but it but i i i think that there is i wondered your own parents you mentioned (laughs) earlier that they were you know you, you kind of compared yourself you didn't know you had a good life until you listened to your friends that were having problems with you know drunk parents mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. abusive uh, family environments your own parents what what did they do what was the upbringing like for you I, I, I refer to my parents I didn't actually grow up with my parents um, so they sent me to the UK for a better life they thought it was a better life and, and I felt I didn't hate them for it but I didn't like them very much because they sent me over here when I was five we were okay in Nigeria in my opinion but I guess they had foresight of what the direction in which the country was going and they didn't want me to grow up there so I thank for, I thank them for that now. But we lived in a nice house. We had a car. We had you know people helping us around in the house. So I was five. They sent me over here with my sister, and she brought me to Tottenham, Broadwater Farm Estate. Oh, that how was this? You know, I cried every single day. You I can remember it. Five years old, you remember? <laughs> yeah, because it was it was it was a big shift, huge shift. Like I would cry for anything that I wanted, and I'd get it in Nigeria. Here, they brought me and I, I automatically became the oldest in the house. I had, well, they weren't siblings, they were my nieces and nephews. Um, my youngest niece was um, was only four years, my oldest niece was only four years younger than me. So um, I had responsibilities from early. Then I had a nephew when I was in school. I always joke about it, but it's a real story. I never had a childhood. When I came to the UK, it's like my childhood was stolen from me, I like to say, where my friends would be playing out and doing all knockdown ginger and stuff. I couldn't do that. I had to stay home 
babysit at an early age. My when I was in um, primary school, yeah, still primary school, I had my sister had my nephew. Um, she'll leave him with me at three months old. She'll go to work at nights. She was a nurse. She worked all kinds of hours. So I'd be the one looking after him, getting ready in the morning, drop him off to the childminders, and then go to school. So I was a very angry child, you know, and 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 it showed at school because. You could do the smallest thing to me and, and I'll kick up a fight. Um, I, I was focused on my academics, so I wasn't pushed down to the lower grades, but I wasn't really challenged. So I'd finish my work and then disrupt everything. Um, my mum didn't come back over here until I was probably about 12, 13. So there was a, a huge part of my life that she wasn't involved in. My dad was still in Nigeria, so he'll come. He only started coming back. I was already formed. I was a grown man by then. I was, I'd finished uni um, when he started coming back and forth. So he'll do six months here, six months there. Parents are still married, been married. I think they celebrated 65 years of marriage. Commend them for it. Definitely they had their challenges. But I wasn't really in that household. So I didn't grow up in kind of like a nuclear family. So my, my sister had her partner. He wasn't really around. I never really had a male figure. Um, it wasn't until I moved to my other sister's house. So I moved from South London, from North London to South London. That's where I got involved in kind of like my criminality. And that was because the partner that my sister was with was involved in that. So, you know, he dressed nice, he had nice cars and all that. I was like, okay, cool. So I, I kind of fell into it because of what I was around. Being a young person, I was still am very quiet, very observant. I picked things up very, very quickly. So a lot of what he was doing, I just picked it up and shared it with my friends. And we started from early. So I got involved in that lifestyle from 12. And I did that from 12 right through to 21. So a lot of, once again, it's like, that part of my life was taken away from me in the sense that I didn't do the things that normal kids did at that age. It was all about making money, all about how much money. I, and I made a lot of it, you know. I, I did okay. I did very well at it. But I knew that it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't something that I could do for the long term. When it got to thinking about buying houses, and you know, I was 18, thinking about buying a house. I had the money <laughs> to buy the house. But then there was all the extra stuff that comes with it that I didn't know anything about. I thought all you needed was the money. Like Then they started making me prove where I got the money from. I was like, actually, this is a lot more headache than it's actually worth. You know, we were doing things, just trying to cover up from a lot of the other things. And the headache from that just got me thinking, I can't do this forever. I could literally, have I really even applied myself, really? You know, I, this, this was easy. It was easy for me. So I thought... I've got, there's got to be something better. Everything that I use to create this empire, I could actually try it in the real world. And until I did that with the dry cleaning business, wasn't until then that I genuinely believed in my own ability to actually create something. Everything that I did in that world, I created and it, it manifested and it produced results. So it's like, if I could do it there with all the risk and all the challenges that come with that, I could definitely do it here. Same concept that I share with the young people. Like you survived the streets. You survived people chasing you with guns and knives and that. Trust me, you can deal with a little bit of boardroom drama. Like that's, that's nothing compared to where totally. you're coming from. You know, like your risk, you, you, your appetite for risk is very, very different to these guys. You know, so let's 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 try it. Try it before you knock it. Like, and then when they start to see that actually it's the same thing, the game is the same, but. 
it's just you're just pushing different things you know and once you can get them to understand that that's when that shift happens it's that light bulb moment that happens in different sessions and it's that it's tangible you can see it when that that light bulb ticks off in that young person's head it's like oh my gosh he just given me a key here i can actually do this once they believe it inside there's no stopping them and like you've met some of our young people you've seen the spark in their eyes you've seen that they go get a mentality you know they're gonna take no for an answer you, you know where they're coming from <laughs> you know, like you, you they they can see a, a, a bright future now and like you said what we're peddling here is, is hope we're giving you that glimmer of hope that there is light at the end of the tunnel. You just need to keep going. It's going to be hard. You're going to face setbacks. You're not going to die there. Mm. <laughs> You're not going to die. You know. So wow. once they can understand that, it's like cool. Jura said it can happen. It can happen. And it's not. I'm not. It's not. People early used to used to um, say that you know, you're selling these young people dreams. It's like I'm, I'm actually not. Because I'm not just saying, oh, look, look over there, you know, the, the, the hills are nice, you know, one day, one day, nah, let's just go through it together. I'm not saying I'm at the top of the hill yet, I'm definitely still on my way, but I'm going to try and take as many people with me as possible. As I'm grabbing you, you grab someone else, as he's grabbing you, you grab someone else, it's like, we're all going to the top of the hill, you know, and no one's getting left behind. So what we've essentially built, built is a community of like-minded individuals that are willing to do whatever it takes to get to the top of that hill. And the more of us there are, the easier it will be to get up there. Some of what you're talking about, again, for the listeners, I think it's moral code piece. It's an adjustment on moral code. I mean, it's flown around a lot. There's lots of memes around it. You are a product of the five people that are around you, right? So, you know, what you're talking about there, that the you at 12 years old, you're affected by your, um, your family and what their activities are. I mean, then you have nine years of, you know, perhaps not, uh, a typical career um, certainly not a typical childhood that's no for sure but somehow that tough moment has also built you into the person you are today maybe 100%. giving you that key naturally and, and it's interesting this concept of people understanding hope and I feel like money has become and not to go back to the same subject but money's become one way oh if I have money then I have hope and, and actually the reality is that you have hope already. You've just got to probably ignore money, <laughs> and and as and, but I I I love I love the whole overarching uh, point you're making here. That I, and I and I don't know you know how much of my audience actually are involved in criminal activity entrepreneurship, mm. but it's actually easier to be legit entrepreneur than a criminal entrepreneur. 100%. And and so um, it might. I, I, I say it's a bit like having a job. You know, having a job at the beginning is is really easy, but I think having a job gets harder over time mm -hmm. because your bosses change yeah. or, you know, the yeah. mission of the company changes. You have no control over those things and you can get unhappy over time. But it's really easy at the beginning as you get paid a monthly salary. Being an entrepreneur is the opposite. At the beginning, it's really hard because you don't mm. have any guaranteed income and you're trying to figure it all out and you're trying to build it up. But eventually, once it's working, then it's your mission, it's your brand, it's your dream, it's your... And, and that... You, know, you employ people you like mm -hmm. in theory um, not everyone does but you know then, then you have that you know you have that utopia later absolutely but I think it's a similar point you know if you're, if you're, if you're out there and maybe you've built up an entrepreneurship life that has a criminal element to it and you you know starting again seems impossible but that is the right way to go in fact I would argue giving up everything and starting again is what, in that's, most that's, that's what I had to do I had literally had to start from zero I got rid of everything that I got from that life because I did try to try and you know legitimize it and you know clean stuff but it just never worked out so I, I just thought to myself 
I have to let go of everything and start again. Like my Christian faith had a lot to do with that. Um, so it, 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 it is what kind of gave me that shift. And I think that's what, that, that's what became my anchor in the sense that if, if I let go of all of this and I hold on to this, I'll be okay. You know, so that's where it kind of stemmed from. And, and that's what kind of enabled me to let go of it. Was it a light bulb moment or was it when you realised, you know, that trying to turn it into a home for yourself and you couldn't, for example, was that what, what changed? Or was, it, was it, it was both, you know, th- th- there was that. And there were just things happening around me. You know, people were going to prison for <laughs> long periods. People were dying for the very first time. And it was just, it just got me thinking, how, how long can you do this for? And that same nephew that I talked talk to you about, about me raising him and sending him to the childminders and stuff, I became somewhat of a, a legend in my area. So he was still with his sister and the other side. So he came over to visit one time. We were walking down the road, people calling out my name. Oh, hey, Dre, how you doing? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, feeling like the man, all of that. And he's like, oh, you're, you're famous. I said, well, yeah, you could say that. You know, I'm, I'm known. Um, he's like, but what are you known for? And till this day, I don't think he knows what that statement did to me because it was that statement that was the trigger for everything. He said, but what are you known for? And it just got me thinking, whoa, these kids are getting older now. You know, so me being the big uncle that always gets the best Christmas presents and all of that, best birthday presents, sooner or later you're going to find out <laughs> your uncle is not really what he's making out to be. So at home, I was a different person. On the streets, I was a completely different person. So... The, the, the two worlds are now starting to collide and, and obviously people are starting to find out that actually I used to pretend to be a rave promoter because I was at uni so nobody could really see what I was doing and that's how I said I was making my money you would hire out clubs nobody would come but we'll just say that you know we made 50k on the door or whatever um, but all of that was now starting to come out and I was thinking hmm it's getting a bit messy now but what he said just got me thinking about the future what, what do I want to be known for you know am I going to know as this you know urban legend this guy that made a lot of money from the streets and he's now doing this would that be my story am i going to allow that to be my story when i bring kids into this world are they going to know that you know this is what he did and this is how he made his fortune that really just kind of gets get get, it was just getting at me eating away at me constantly and i just thought to myself well you know i tried to justify it so what else am i supposed to do you know like this is a life that i was given you know people talk about you know product of my environment all that stuff that you hear you think yeah yeah, actually yeah what do you mean what am i supposed to do but have you tried i haven't i hadn't tried i hadn't tried to do anything else but what i was doing so it's like I had an education, I was okay, I went to school, I was very creative, so I tried to go down that part. I was like, I've never actually tried to apply myself to anything and really stuck at it. You know, I tried to, like I said, clean the money, but that's that's not real, I'm still, I'm still fooling myself. Let's, let's be real here. Get rid of everything, start from scratch. If you say you've got this brilliant mind, use it. Try something. First thing I tried worked out and I was able to flip that company and use the money from that I was used to able to buy my first property but that that was it and that, that was when that light bulb moment kind of happened mm. it was like you can do this you've got it in you you know so go for it and there's no turning back from that point I, I want people to hear this and flip a switch on themselves you know and I, I would add by the way to your point it's it's not I think the, the point you're making here is 
is not just about one particular sector of society either. So, you know, and I thank you for your honesty and openness. I think it's mm-hmm. important for people to listen to a story like yours and they will relate to it and maybe can make a change, a positive one and, and, and move forward. Because I think the word, you know, the word legacy is really important. You know, that you, you can't take a property with you when you die. It's all you've got left is what you did and how you did it. I would just add that your point about giving up everything you had um, I personally done it too, mm-hmm. but in a different plane. I was very famous in Hong Kong where I lived. I had lots of very successful businesses. I, I walked down the street, just like you're talking there, people would wave at me. I'd get <laughs> stopped in the street. People would be pitching their business ideas to me all the time, you know. But I felt like I was only doing what I was doing at that point in my late 30s to make even more money for me. Mm. And so I felt like, it was a working business. I was famous. I was you know, invited to events to talk. But actually, I was doing all that for me. And I had to sell it all and give it all up to do what I'm doing today. Because today isn't about me. Mm. Although right now I'm talking about me, ironically. <laughs> but, but, you know, but you know what I mean? Like I use I me as, an, as a case study. And I think when you're kind of saying the same, sometimes people hold on so tight to what they think is important. Fame. Yeah. Um, you can even argue, you can even sell it to yourself like you're just talking about mm-hmm. there cleaning money i think i sold it to myself in a similar mm-hmm. way well i'm on stage talking about entrepreneurship although i'm making lots of money from it for myself maybe that will inspire people but there's nothing better sometimes than to give up all that stuff and keep yeah. i guess improving yourself isn't 100%. it and keep resetting um what you can get influenced by that fame or your uncle or mm-hmm. you know by other people and they can take you down the wrong moral code route so for anyone listening i wonder how do people get that light bulb moment we don't necessarily want people to get to a point where they're trying to think about how to clean the money do we mm-hmm, how, mm-hmm. How, what is the answer to get people earlier you know what that's the thing and that's that, that's that's what our program does really you know before you even get to that stage where you're, you're caught up and you're trying to turn things around it's that mindset you have to think about and that's why i love our our, our concept of the videotape so much it's that from where you are now fast forward five years from now what kind of person do you want to be you know, what will you be known for five years from now? And you can make that as personal and as detailed as you want to the point where you could talk about your mental state, your physical state, your health. But I try to get people to think about the environment around them. What have you done for society? What have you done to make a difference in the lives of others or or in the lives of those around you? That's what I get people to think about. So, you're you're taking yourself out of the equation for a moment and thinking, if I was a fly on the wall looking at my life, five years from now, would I be happy with what I saw? Would I be happy with the state that I'm in? Would I be happy with what I'm known for? If not, I can now come back into today and reset. I can change the direction in which my life is heading. I can create the future that I want to live in what steps do I need to do in order for me to get there? So if this is five years from now, in order for me to be this person in five years, I need to be this person in three. I need to be this person in two. I need to be this person in the next six months. So you essentially create a plan for yourself. I've been this way ever since I made that adjustment in my mind from the age of 21. I've been talking about this year, 2020, people call me Mr. 2020. I've been talking about my organisation even before it started. Everything that we're doing now, it all started in my mind. 
and I've been vocalizing it. So now that it's happening, everyone's like, wow, actually, he, he said it. This is what he said. I talked about when I have kids. I talked about where I want to live by the time I have kids. I talked about, you know, the kind of environment I want to raise my kids in. You know, um, I got married two years ago in October. And I said to myself, I'm going to give myself, we're going to give ourselves two years for me to stabilize myself. And by the time we do have kids and my kids are of school age, I don't want to be working. I want to set my own hours. I want to work 10, to, 10 till 2 every day. I want to have breakfast with my kids. I want to be there to take them to school. I want to pick them up. That's the life that I'm creating. Thankfully, I can see it now. Like, I could see it before. It was just in my mind. But now it's tangible. You know, it's like, I told my wife, she's the realist. Like, she's a proper realist. She's very practical. So she doesn't believe in everything that I'm saying about the future. She's like, how's this practical right now? But you need people like that in your life, no, no, by the way, because yeah, you, 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 you balance, balance out because you, you need so to much. pace it to get there. Hundred yeah. percent. But she really brings that balance to me. So even her and, and my board as well, they kind of help. She's like, okay, you're right. yeah, cool, cool. Let's come back here for now before we get there. So now it's like she can actually see it because she's been with me. We've been together what six years plus. The person that I was six years ago is not the person mm-hmm. I am now. But I've been talking about this person, you know. So she's now like. She's actually seeing the manifestation of all the things that I've been saying, even with 2020 becoming full time, it being sustainable, employing staff, growing, having different partnerships. All of these things I spoke about, everyone thought I was crazy, but it's happening now. So because they've seen that now, it's easier to believe everything else because it's happened. So I needed that shift, but I had to believe in it myself. So I told the young people as well, so everything that I'm sharing with them I had to do it wasn't um, I didn't pick this up from a book or anything this, this is my life you know and we're, and we're still living it so you can just imagine what it's like for the very first set of young people that we worked with seeing the growth of the organization seeing where we are now hearing everything that I said that we were going to do back then and we're doing it now they never thought it was possible I mean they couldn't physically see it they just hold on to my word and now it's real I could talk to you all day long <laughs> about this and I I love your story, I love your authenticity thank you. and, and I love what you're doing and I want to thank you for taking time out to come thank and share you. it with us today. Thank you for having um, me. I guess um, it's always nice to end on a, a light-hearted note. If you went back to the younger you, say that 12-year-old you, what what, um, what advice would you give? The 12-year-old me, I, I think about this question all the time and I ask some, some of the people I get to interview as well. Um, for me, it would just be, just be patient with it. You know, I, I wanted to grow up too quickly. Even now, I'm still looking forward to the point where I'm 60, 65, and I'm sharing these stories with a whole group, group of young people, young people, but they're young people now, but they won't be young people then, but they've been with me on this journey. Just, just be patient with it. Now that I look back, I'm grateful for the life that I lived. I'm grateful for the mistakes that I made. I'm grateful for the mishaps. All the wrong things that happened helped shape me to the person that I am now. While I was going through it, I, I didn't appreciate it. I, I didn't want it. But now that I'm here, I can look back and notice how each thing, each experience, me moving from Nigeria to the UK at the time that I did, me being forced <laughs> to go to university in the way that I did. If I didn't go to university, that, that shift wouldn't have happened. But it did. And, and I'm grateful for that now. 
But it's not until that I'm, it's not until like, you know, I'm at this stage in my life that I can look back and say, all I needed was just patience. I needed to just, just go with it. Don't be in too much of a hurry to make things happen. You know, do what you need to do when you need to do it. But I was in too much of a hurry. You know, I wanted the flashy car, the money, the jewels, the girls, all of that. I wanted it way too quickly and I didn't want to work for it. So when I got it, it's like, okay, I thought it was going to be a lot more exciting than this. So now that I'm doing things the right way, I can really enjoy it. So at every single step that I take, every day that I live, I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to be breathing. I'm grateful for the position that I'm in while I'm still working towards where I want to be. The closer I get to where I want to be, the, the, the more the GoPro shifts. And, you know, it's just like... I live a very beautiful life now. I'm fulfilled. I'm happy. I'm free. Like I don't. There's no chains. I don't have to worry about going anywhere. I'm. I'm actively trying to even fade to black. I don't want to be seen anymore. I want to, you know, live in my own little bubble where I can make things happen, but nobody knows that it's me. You know. So even the fame that I I once had on the streets, I don't even want that anymore. I just. I just. I just want to. Be happy and, and I'm, I'm there now But it's like if, if life is so good now What's the future got to Got to offer You know So like, so like I said The next thing that I'm looking forward to now Is bringing kids into these world Into this world and, and watching them grow And watching them mature And seeing myself in them Seeing certain qualities That their mother has in them That's what I'm looking forward to now And, and, and I can openly accept that Not having to worry about money Or some of the challenges That you know I faced when I was younger It's just Creating a home filled with love and happiness. That's that's me. Beautiful. Thanks. And I uh, think the interesting there you mentioned about, you know, the bad things that have happened to you almost giving you the power to do what you're doing today. So if anyone out there listening is having a hard time, it was mm. it's hard to see it at the time, yeah. but but often these things can be the best lessons ever. And so that's actually my take on luck. You know, there's no such thing as bad luck or good luck. There's just luck, mm. right? And and so it depends on how you frame it. Back to your point at the beginning of mindset. You also mentioned you know, earlier that you know um, you're not going to die by by doing a, going into a boardroom. <laughs> but it's interesting if you do think about things in the context that you could die tomorrow. You know, what is your legacy, right? When you could you could um, you, hopefully we're going to live to the mean age, which is mm-hmm. 78, right? But we mm-hmm. might not. So it's all about what you're doing with your life, not what you own. Because you, yeah. you know. But um, look, I, I, again, I, I could talk to you forever. I'd love to have you come back on. Maybe absolutely. we could interview a couple of your students next time. Yeah, that would be, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that, they'd, love to, they'd love to do it. I mean, we've got something happening soon as well. Yeah, so on, on Saturday, we've got a Saturday, live. Yes. We're doing a chat with your community and, mm-hmm. and trying to uh, help them start businesses of their own. So yeah. kind of yeah. merging our two missions and to give people hope give people an opportunity to let the community mine yours theirs um help help them with a plan help them achieve what they want this is it yeah i I take away kind of four key words really i think want people to write down and keep in their pocket today which is freedom Mm. i think it's such a powerful word and it's so much more powerful than than owning property (laughs) freedom legacy which we've mentioned quite a few times, such an important word and, and so important to keep in your mind when, when doing what you're doing every day because eventually people will know what you're doing and you're going to be proud of it. And so then I, I think hope. We've, yeah. Again, I just want people to remember that there's always hope, even in the hardest of times. And if you've got the right community around you, they'll help you through those 
hardest of times and mm-hmm. at the very least um, you'll know who your true friends are um, and working from home my dog's barking in the background <laughs> and he just said authenticity, authenticity. My, my little dog Brando just said authenticity which I think is something you resonate and I think we have to come through that whole journey sometimes to find who we really are and then be that person telling our true stories telling yeah. our truth and so I thank you for doing that today thank you for, thank you for coming on, on the thank podcast you. Thank you for listening to Good Luck Club podcast today. We know you have thousands of podcasts you could be listening to and you decided to listen to us and we feel very lucky. If you like what Duria had to say today, I'd really appreciate it if you visit his link below, checked out 2020 Change and did whatever you could to either help his organisation or perhaps recommend it to anybody out there that's looking for a community to give them hope. Thank you.